This is called the demon sickness connection. Now, this is not to freak you out, but this is just to give us more of behind the scenes of how the spirit realm works. We've covered previously that sometimes sickness is a result of sin. And uh, we wrote that lesson just to explain to you, uh, or whoever the listener might be, that we have to totally reject this erroneous religious doctrine that says, well, sometimes sickness is God's teaching tool. That's one of the most ignorant, baseless statements I've ever heard come out of the Bible. Sickness is sometimes God's will to teach you something. No, more often than not, if you want to be biblical, sickness is often judgment. And so there's a, a direct correlation between sin and sickness, and we saw that in previous lessons. This one, wants, we want to look at the correlation between demons and sickness. So we understand just because you, you may have a sickness due to a demon doesn't mean you're wrong, doesn't mean you're sinful. We understand that sometimes demons are just assigned to people. Sometimes as a kid, you pick this thing up and you just resist it and fight it your whole life. And there's plenty of examples we're going to look at here in the Word that show us that the demon has to be dealt with first. The spirit, what, what Luke calls the spirit of infirmity, that has to be dealt with first. Otherwise, you're just putting a Band-Aid on a symptom or you're just, you're just popping ibuprofen for a headache. And that's all right. It'll, it'll numb the effects, but until you deal with that spirit of infirmity, you're going to keep having those symptoms. The example is uh, you can pick up the bad fruit in your yard or you can cut down the tree. And too much of the time, we're just taking medicine or we're just speaking to the bad fruit falling off the tree. And if we don't want the fruit, we should just go cut the tree down. So in this example, the demon is the tree that keeps producing these symptoms. So let's jump into this and we'll kind of expound as we go. The Bible records many testimonies of miraculous healings. However, it should be noted that many of these healings were accompanied by the casting out of demon spirits. That, uh, that right there ought to wake us up. Thank God that the Holy Spirit can illuminate and bring certain things out of verses that maybe we've read the verse a thousand times but we never saw it before. From these accounts, we can see that in many cases, sickness can and may be due to the presence of a demon spirit of infirmity. The Holy Spirit's never called the spirit of infirmity. So how could sickness be from God. Now we understand that there is a judgment where God removes his hand and something, some spirit fills the void. Whether it's a spirit of lunacy, a spirit of calamity, a spirit of confusion, or a spirit of infirmity. When the Holy Spirit floods your life, it has to drive out everything. All right? In these cases, the demon must be dealt with directly before the individual can recover. Now, again, I share with you the testimony of our little daughter Lydia when she was nine weeks old we notice varicose veins or spider veins break out all over the inside of her left leg. Now, a nine-week-old, that you don't have to be a doctor to know that's not right. That's not right for anybody, much less a nine-week-old baby. And so I got so enraged, I began to pray and pray and pray. And we began to seek God, and we prayed one to two hours a night. And within about two or three days, the Lord spoke to me and said it was a spirit of infirmity. And when he spoke that to me, just in praying, I wasn't seeking a word from God, but he told me, this is a spirit of infirmity. We began to adjust our praying. And so we always pray, when we pray for healing, we pray the healing verses. We have probably over 200 of them out of the Bible that my wife and I pray when we need it. But I would, we, she'd read a verse and I'd pray the verse and I'd conclude every prayer of the verse with, and Father, we submit to you, we resist this spirit of infirmity and it must flee in Jesus' name. We prayed that over and over and over again. You pray that for an hour or two, it may sound monotonous, but it changes things. 
is better than sitting there and wishing and hoping and watching television. And so after, it was after, I guess, about six weeks of doing this and the veins got worse. They just kept getting worse. And we took her to the doctor. The doctor said, uh, well, this isn't right. And I thought, well, duh. What do you mean this isn't right? Well, what kind of moronic statement is that? No, this isn't right. And she had no explanation for it, the doctor. She said, you'd expect this on an old person, but not a baby. Well, duh. I didn't have to go to eight years of medical school to understand that. But she had no explanation. And so after six weeks, I knew that that spirit of infirmity was gone. It was just a knowing in our prayer time on our couch. I just knew it was gone. And you could tell because the way we prayed changed up. And I knew by the, the word of knowledge it was gone. And so then from that point, we just began to speak to the symptoms. And then it just all cleared up. So we took her back to the doctor three months later for her checkup. And I said, look, they're all gone, doc. And uh, she said, wow. I said, we prayed healing verses. She said, did you pray Isaiah 53? I said, you better believe that was in there. But I just want you to see, it took six weeks. And it was a specific word from the Lord for us that this thing was a spirit of infirmity causing these varicose veins to break out on my little girl. And, but even with us praying fervently, that's all we did every night, seven days a week for six and eight, well, actually eight weeks. That's all we did. And it still took six weeks to shake this thing, this spirit of infirmity. Now, maybe if we'd had discerning of spirits, we could have seen it instantly and cast it out. But in this case, we just, I'd have just kept speaking to the symptoms had the Lord not revealed that it was a spirit of infirmity. When that happened, I start dealing with the spirit of infirmity. And even with that, it just took a while to get this thing off. And the times I've cast out demons that were manifesting through people, I, I came to fully, or more, maybe not fully, but to somewhat a fuller understanding that sometimes demons are just tenacious. They, they've got their hooks set in. And we sometimes, we, we look at the miracles of Jesus, we look at the three instances of Paul, and we expect it to be gone like that. And that isn't always the case. We have the victory, we have the authorization, but sometimes these things are just entrenched. And if you'll remember... When uh, the, the disciples in Mark 9 could not cast the lunatic spirit out of the boy, who was sometimes throwing himself in the fire and sometimes throwing himself in the water, or oftentimes fire, oftentimes water, and they couldn't cast him out, but they'd cast out thousands of demons. It was part of their ministry. And Jesus has just come off the Mount of Transfiguration, where he's been there praying and fasting with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John and God Almighty. He comes off the mountain, instantly casts this demon out, and they say, how, why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind comes out not but by prayer and fasting. I take it to say Jesus would have even said, if, if I hadn't been up there praying and fasting, it wouldn't have happened so quick either. But they were struggling in a sense. They were wrestling with this devil and they were authorized. They had the name of Jesus to cast out demons and they had a high success rate. But sometimes demons, in this case, it was a spirit of infirmity causing this boy to be a lunatic. It was just severely entrenched. And uh, we've, I've cast out devils before. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Uh, there's been many times I've laid hands on folks in a prayer line and the demon instantly leaves. And then the longest we've taken is two hours. And in that two-hour ordeal with casting out this demon out of this woman, you realize sometimes these things, they just take some time. And that's where the faint of heart is revealed or that's where the determined is manifested. And so I encourage you, don't give up, whatever this thing is. We're not saying if you've got you know, achy joints, it's a demon. But I'm just teaching in general the spirit of infirmity. Uh, even as Luke says, this woman who Satan has bound 18 years, this demon's been causing her affliction 18 years, he's not going to be so easy to evict. 
That's why also when we feel symptoms come upon us, we should instantly resist and say, no, 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 no. You're not going to squat here. You little squatting spirit, you know, squatting, you know, loitering. You're not loitering here because they, they tend to make themselves at home and they have an assignment to cause infirmities and sicknesses and diseases. And that's why you have to speak to symptoms. You have to speak to the headache, the earache, the toothache. You have to speak to the joint ache. You have to resist this stuff. Otherwise, it, your, your unwillingness to resist almost comes across as com, uh, uh, permission and compliance. They're, they're not doing anything. I guess they don't mind if we settle upon their life and their body. So you have to be proactive in this thing. Amen. All right. King Saul's mental anguish. An early example of a demon spirit causing sickness, in this case mental illness, is found in King Saul. 1 Samuel 16, 23. And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and he played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, we understand the Lord does not work with demon spirits, but it's, it's the, their way of explaining God took his spirit off of Saul when God rejected Saul as king, and something filled the void. Uh, we know in one instance with um, King Ahab, the, 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 the angels of God appeared before the Lord, and the Lord said, who will go? And deceive Ahab and his prophets. And a lying spirit came and said, I will go. And the Lord said, go, and you'll prosper. It wasn't the Lord sending them. But he said, look, this guy's open for this. Somebody, this guy wants to be deceived. This guy looks for a false word. And that, in that regard, we could say on a technicality, the Lord said, go. The Lord sent him. But the Lord wasn't working with him. You know, there's, there's certain things in the spirit realm we perhaps don't have a full understanding of, but we know the Lord is not looking to deceive us. He's the spirit of truth. But when a person's heart cries out for deception and a person's heart rejects God, you got to give something. There's a void there. Even the atheists worship something. Even the atheists are controlled by some kind of spirit. I mean, this is, we, we are spirit beings. We live in a spirit realm. We're going to be yielding to some kind of spirit. When we run the Holy Spirit out, there leaves a void there. Something will fill it. It's just a vacuum. And when there's only one other option besides the Holy Spirit, well, that's what you get. Deceiving, lying, demonic spirits. Anointed worship by the hand of young David caused the tormenting spirit to depart from King Saul, and he was refreshed and made well. So this is our first instance in the Bible where a sickness, a dis-ease, a torment, something we take medicine for today. I define, for me personally, I define disease as anything you take medicine for. Mental illness is one thing we know nowadays. They take antidepressants and uppers and downers. If you take medicine for it, Jesus wants to deliver you from it. Amen. So this is our first instance where we see a spirit tormenting and causing some kind of anguish, a restless night, pulling out his hair, fretting. We don't know what he was doing. We just know he was tormented. But we see that the spirit of God coming upon David, and as he'd worship the Lord, it would drive that spirit off. Now, again, if this spirit was from the Lord on a, on a severe series, then how could the presence of God drive out what the Lord was trying to do? That doesn't make sense. So we understand there's something more going on than the Lord saying, go torment this man. Even, and this comes to mind now, even as the devil appeared before the Lord and said, does Job serve you for nothing? Take everything he has from you, he'll curse you. And the Lord says to him, do you not realize everything he has is already in your hand? Just don't kill him or just don't touch him, touch everything but him. In that regard, it looks like the Lord sent Lucifer 
but we know the Lord didn't. The Lord was just pointing out the obvious. This guy lives in fear. Everything he has is already in your hand. And that helps to answer the question, why doesn't the Lord stop this stuff? Well, he can't stop what you started. He just points out the obvious. He cannot stop what you want. He cannot stop where you've broken the law. Now, mercy and intercession can, but it doesn't always happen. So we have to live tight, clean lives. All right, hopefully we're answering questions rather than stirring up more. So we see this anointing from the Lord upon young David in worship. This anointing drove out the demon spirit. This demon can't be working with God if God drives this thing out. All right, next one. Uh, next point, uh, there's this, this demon sickness connection is a very common thread in the ministry of Jesus Christ. The earthly ministry of Jesus Christ saw countless people healed and delivered from demon power. So we're going to run through a bunch of these verses just to prove this biblical uh, fact to you. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. You see, many demons came out and sicknesses were healed on the back end of that. So you see, in this instance, demons went out first, then, then healing followed. Again, we see a correlation there between demon power and sickness and disease. Uh, I'm reminded a couple years, I guess five years ago now, Marlon and I were in South Africa and we were in that voodoo. It wasn't a voodoo, it was an African antiquity shop in the mall. Big, gorgeous, modern mall, La Lucia, La Lucia. And we went into, we went into one of these malls looking for African knickknacks, you know, mahogany carvings and beadwork and leatherwork, all, you know, stuff that you think of when you think of Africa. Nothing in that shop, but nice stuff. Ostrich eggs, hand carved, all that kind of stuff, things carved out of stone. So we go a couple doors down on the second floor to this other shop, and as soon as we walk into it, you, you can just feel the darkness. Whatever they got comes with devils. And, Mar and Marlon walked out. He said his head was spinning. He had a bad headache for a couple hours, you know, like a migraine. Was it a migraine or just a really bad headache? I remember you were, it was hurting you. Sickness, a, a, a physical symptom just from walking into a shop. You know, it wasn't coffee. It wasn't hunger. It was, I'm perfectly fine. Let's go look in this shop. Whoa. And it caused a symptom. And that symptom was tangible and, and it, it had a residue so that even after we leave that place and we're clean, we're on a mission trip. Even after we leave this place, how long did that headache last? Just a while, a couple minutes, a couple hours. Less than an hour. We're only in the shop probably five minutes. But this spirit produced a headache that lasted less than an hour, but more than five minutes. It wasn't like you put your hand in the refrigerator, it's cold, and you take your hand out and it's warm. You put your hand in the refrigerator, it's cold, you take it out and it stays cold for about an hour. That's a demon. That's a symptom. And so just, I mean, that was just a little scientific experiment. We weren't trying to experiment, but we experimented without meaning to. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So casting out demons is also part of the fulfilling of Isaiah's prophecy, taking infirmities and sicknesses and diseases. Here, casting out devils and healing the sick went hand in hand, and it was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. This pattern of healing the sick by casting out devils was a very common occurrence in Jesus's ministry. Mark 1, 32 says, and at evening when the sun did set, they brought him all that were diseased. Notice it's biblical to have evening services. I don't know why churches don't do that anymore. 
But it's biblical. That, that was the first. Matthew 8 says the same thing at evening. Why? Because everybody worked during the day. I don't know why we don't have evenings. Well, I know why we don't have evening services because there's television on. Prime time. And Christians are distracted. When do the football games come on? It's the evening. It's Monday night football. Yeah. And that evening when the sun did set, they brought him all that were diseased and then that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Apparently, he's casting them out and they're starting to talk. And evidently, this talking is not just a supernatural talking because he doesn't want anybody else to hear it. So we know they're talking through the people's mouths. But also I want you to realize these people came to the Lord of their own free will and volition. They weren't drugged by chains. The city brought everybody was sick and demon possessed. Now there might have been a few that were chained or drug on pallets or something. But, but we see here many demons they wanted to propagate. We know who you are. You don't want demons advertising for you. Shut up and come out. Again, we see a connection between sickness and demon possession. This was a common thread in the disciples' ministry. Jesus ordained his 12, uh, his disciples, and sent them out to do the same thing he did. They cast out devils and healed the sick. Matthew 10, and when he had called unto his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. Notice that comes out first. To cast them out, once you cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. The disciples were authorized to cast out devils and heal the sick. We see that the two go hand in hand. So we also have other references there. See Mark 3 and Luke 9. We see this over and over and over again. Now again, that's not to say that every time you have a foot ache or anything like that, that it's a demon. We're not saying that. But we are seeing a connection here. Not every headache is a demon. Not every uh, disease is a demon. Sometimes it's just the flu. Sometimes it's just the cold. Sometimes it's just allergies. But we, if the Lord doesn't reveal to us that it's a spirit of infirmity, we address the symptoms. Uh, we, can, we can cast it out. We can rebuke it. There are many times, I, I believe this even in the Lord's ministry or, or in the disciples' ministry, they would go to pray for a sick person because I've seen it in the natural or in our age, and you're just treating a symptom, and all of a sudden a demon manifests, and you weren't, you weren't even expecting it. Uh, the demon we cast out in February with the lady in the wheelchair here at the church, she just told me she had a lot of symptoms, and she was getting sick, and she just, she just wanted prayer. And so we just prayed the prayer of faith just because she asked for it. And then just on a slight little nudge from the Holy Spirit, I rebuked the spirit of infirmity. And when I said that, that's when she began to growl and convulse and dry heave. I was not expecting that. And then she said, when that thing came out, she said, also uh, the spirit of fear. So then I said, all right. So then we said, I take authority over the spirit of fear. And then that demon manifested. Was not expecting any of that. But you just do the word, and when stuff happens, well, you're equipped to deal with it as it happens as well. The Lord doesn't reveal everything to us, because uh, then it wouldn't take any faith. Sometimes we just know what we know to do, and when it comes up, we do it. And God knew it was going to happen, and he knew he was going to help you, and you get the victory over All right, a mute devil. We're going to look at a couple different examples of demons that cause sickness and disease. Uh, demon spirits make people what they are. And it doesn't make you what you are. The demon spirit makes you what it is, is what I mean by that sentence. So if you have a mute spirit, it makes you mute. If you have a spirit of infirmity, it makes you infirm. If you have a spirit of fear, it makes you fearful. If you have a spirit of uncleanness, it'll make you a homosexual or a sexual pervert. 
Demon spirits make people what they are. So these are, these are physical manifestations, physical transformations based on the presence of a demon. I always like to point out, you don't so much see it in homosexual men, though there is a softening of features that does come upon them, but you certainly see it in the lesbians. The lesbians all start to look the same. There is a physical transformation, a physical manifestation of the presence of that demon. I have longed to, for several years, to do a, a photographic study. And the only thing is to Google search that, you get into dangerous territory when you type in lesbian image search. I think you can understand where that would throw you pretty quick. Plus, then it ends up in your cookies, and then you got to somebody searches your cookies. Why were you searching lesbians for an anthropological study on the facial, facial morphic, morphing of demon spirits in the presence of women? But you know, just from being around Cookville, go to Walmart, they all start to look the same. They're not sick physically, but there is a physical transformation that takes place with the presence of a demon. Just like when the Spirit of God comes upon us, there's a physical transformation. Our countenance glows. Our face shines. You can see darkness on people and you can see glory on people, though you can't quite technically say what you see. And when the Spirit of God comes upon people, it straightens bones and it heals backs and necks and causes things to flow better. So we understand that. Here, the presence of this demon doesn't make them a lesbian. The presence of this demon makes them mute. They're unable to speak. Demon spirits make people what they are. Often sickness Sicknesses are the result of a demon spirit that has been able to attach themselves to a person. It doesn't mean you've done anything to deserve it. It doesn't mean you've done anything to earn it. Sometimes it just happens. Matthew 9, 32 and 33. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. This man was dumb or mute not because of anything he'd done wrong, not because he was born this way. He was mute because of a demon in his life. We don't know how that demon came to be there. We don't know. Maybe he opened the door or maybe he didn't. Maybe it was a curse from somebody like a Balaam who was a, a wicked sorcerer in the Old Testament. We don't know, but we, all we do know is that Jesus cast this demon out and he could talk. That's a healing. When you couldn't talk and now you can, that's a healing. Look at a grievous vexation. Devils can produce grievous vexations. Matthew 15, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried. This is the Syrophoenician woman out of Mark's gospel and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. We don't know exactly what the symptoms were, but apparently she was desperate. This daughter was grievously vexed, maybe headaches, uh, maybe vomiting, maybe diarrhea, may, maybe drawn up, maybe convulsions, maybe seizures, uh, maybe epilepsy. We don't know. Uh, you know grievously vexed. That's, that doesn't sound like just a little symptom every once in a while. Well, honey, go take a nap and you'll be better. This little girl, is, this is, defines her life. And we know that it's a demon because the Lord cast this thing out. And she knew it was a demon. And she believes God and the Lord Jesus commends her and goes, she goes on her way. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Made whole. So the demon didn't just go out. The demon went out and whatever was lacking, whatever was broken was made whole. So the fact that she was made whole lets us know there was some kind of symptomatic sickness associated with this. When demons go out, they just go out. But if there's something that's broken, it has to be made whole. And the Bible distinguishes here, she was made whole that very hour. Not just set free. 
not just delivered, made whole. Just like the lepers, the 10 lepers in Luke 17, the grateful leper came back and was made whole. The others were cleansed of their leprosy, but they were still missing parts. He came and worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, were there not 10 lepers? Where are the other nine? For your faith, you, thou art made whole. Thy faith has saved thee. So we see a healing took place here. A lunatic spirit. Demon spirits can produce lunacy and its associated ailments. That can be a lot of stuff. Matthew 17 says, somebody came to the Lord, said, Lord, have mercy on me, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Now, cured of what? Cured of all the vexations that come with the demon of lunacy. You know, maybe he was a cutter. Maybe he cut and those were healed. Perhaps even the scars from falling into a fire, the, the burns were healed. But he was cured. He was fixed. He was made whole. We see again, the demon goes out and things get better. Not, not to freak us out but we, and not to become over spiritual, but we are dealing with demons in this lesson. We don't realize how much demons move in the earth today. We, we just don't realize everything they are truly behind. I was just talking this week to a, to a gentleman and he said he got to a dark place in his life where he was watching the Batman movie, The Dark Knight, with the Joker and Heath Ledger. And I've seen that movie. Most of you have probably seen that movie. And I said, well, you know, it's a dark movie. That's why I call it The Dark Knight. It's about a criminally insane bad guy called the Joker and the Batman beats him up. He said, you don't understand. He said, I would watch that movie four and five times a day. He said, and darkness would drive me to watch that movie four and five times a day. And he said, and when I came to the end of that, he said, I just wanted to rebel against God. It's crazy to think just a movie like that would have such a demon attached to it that you could get to a place where demons would drive you as a Christian to obsess you over a comic book movie to where it put this gentleman down a very sinful, dark road. He said, and he said, and Pastor Chris, that's not a short movie. I said, oh, I know I've seen the movie. He said, I had time to watch it four and five times a day. And I was driven. He said, darkness would drive me to it. And it was, he said, I was miserable, but I could not stop watching it. And I, I just use that as an, exa an example to show you how prevalent demons are, how much they do move. Now, we're not, we're not so spooky that if, if the chair breaks, it's a demon, or if the car won't start, it's a demon, or if the kid's crying, it's a demon. We're not that kind. But I want you to be mindful. There's so much out there and it's only getting worse and worse in these last days because people are yielding to it, people are feeding it, and, and when you yield to demon spirits, they grow. They, their strength is propagated. Even as Jesus Christ said through Paul in 2 Thessalonians, as, as the church is strong, we can hinder the Antichrist. But if the church gets weak, the Antichrist is able to grow in his movements and, and his power. So, a grievous vexation... There, the Canaanite woman sought out healing for her daughter, whom she knew was possessed of a devil. Jesus healed her daughter by setting her daughter free from the devil. Same stories re reproduced in Mark 7. A lunatic spirit. Demon spirits can, be produ can produce lunacy and its associated uh, ailments. We know right now one in four Americans is mentally ill. One in five children is diagnosed with a mental illness. This is associated with lunacy. A lunatic. This is a spirit. We know this is a spirit buffeting people. We know people get depressed. That's a spirit. We know people get discouraged. That's a spirit. And that causes health issues too. When you're depressed, you're lethargic. 
Again, anything, I believe my doctrine, anything you got to take medicine for, Jesus wants to heal you of. Even the world calls it mental illness. And here we see an example of mental illness. Now, now the physicians, the biological realm, the chemistry, the chemists, they'll try to say, well, no, this is tied to a chemical imbalance. Right. I believe that totally. Just like leprosy was tied to demon possession. And just like all these other sicknesses were tied to demon possession. Demons have the ability to change the biological realm. So it doesn't surprise me there's a chemical imbalance in your head. Just like we've already ascertained, the homosexual spirit can make a beautiful young woman look like a man and change the visage of their countenance. Yeah, I totally believe demons can, can make things corporeal and make things tangible and alter chemistry. I totally believe that. So yeah, if you want to call it a chemical imbalance, yeah, but what caused the chemical imbalance? The presence of a demon. So you can take medicine to rebalance it, that's fine, but until you get rid of the demon, you're always going to be dependent on the pill. All right, so a lunatic spirit, Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on me, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. The child was cured. The boy, this boy was not only a lunatic, he would have also suffered from constant burns, from falling in the fire. Mark's gospel also records that Jesus called this demon a deaf and dumb spirit. So he wasn't just a lunatic, he was also deaf and dumb. He said, thou deaf and dumb spirit, come out of the boy. So he's not just a lunatic. How miserable is that for you as a parent? Your kid's not just a lunatic, he's also deaf. He also can't speak. Uh, my heart often when I am in public and I see children like this in wheelchairs, drawn up, I often wonder, is there a demon here? Lord, if you'd only give me a word of knowledge, if you'd only give me a discerning of spirit, Lord, we could fix this boy. I remember in Lowe's one time, I was pretty convinced this one boy had a demon because the, the moan of that child who was maybe borderline lunatic, mute, drawn up, I could hear it from lawn and garden over there in, in lighting. And I thought, that's the cry of a demon. That's, I, can, I can hear that. That's the cry of a demon. That's a demon tormenting this poor boy. But, you know, you don't have permission to do anything from the Lord. I don't, Lowe's doesn't bother me. I don't need their permission, but just no permission from the Lord to go and do anything. All right, let's move on here. The Sidonian revival. At one point in Jesus' ministry, many people came from Tyre and Zidon to hear and be healed. Luke 17, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Zidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, they, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. There again you see folks vexed of devils, and he healed them all. They were vexed of devils, and he healed them all. They were sick, and then there were those that were sick and vexed of devils, and then there were those that were devil, demonized, and he healed them all. So we're, just, we're seeing over and over again that sometimes sickness is, is a demon spirit. A broken bone is not a demon spirit, but something could set in that could be demonic. You know, your child falling off the playground is not a demon, but something could set in. And you have to deal with that. So we want to just look at all the possibilities, whatever it takes to get us healed. We don't care. 
We don't care if it's a demon. We don't care if it's just a flu bug. We don't care if it's a bacteria. We have authority over all of it, but we're making the case and proving to you from the word, sometimes sickness and disease is demon-inspired or demon-manifested. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was famously delivered from demon power. However, upon closer study of the scriptures, you will see that the Bible declares she was healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Now, we knew she had seven devils, but she had infirmities associated to those seven devils. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. But notice the previous section says, healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Notice the two would go hand in hand. Now, I wonder if she was so faithful to the Lord. She wasn't like that other batch of multitudes who'd get healed and then never follow Jesus again. Uh, We still have too many folks in the church today that just want uh, their blessing and then they want to go back and do their thing, which caused them to need a blessing. If you'd serve God, you wouldn't need a blessing. You'd be blessed. But too many Christians, they come to God for a blessing, then they go home and they live like the devil, so they need another blessing. Well, just live for God and you won't need a blessing. You'll be a blessing. I think that's the better way to live anyway. Mary Magdalene was healed of evil spirits and infirmities. These infirmities were evidently the result of seven devils. Spirit of infirmity. Jesus specifically addressed the spirit of infirmity when healing a crippled woman. I wonder how many cripples out there have a demon causing that thing. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. That's a long time to have that thing on you. And was bowed together. So she's hunched over. We've seen, I've seen people like this in Tennessee. You have that hunt back. You know, they walk like this. In this instance, it's a, it's a demon. And could in no wise lift up herself. And ought not, Jesus speaking, now this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Notice we'd have thought maybe it was just osteoporosis. We'd have had a name for it. Or humpback. But Jesus doesn't use any of those words. He says this is demonic bondage. She's a daughter of Abraham. Shouldn't she be loosed? Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. The doctors would have said, well, this is not enough calcium. This is genetic. Uh, This is a rare deformity. And Jesus said, no, this is satanic bondage. And what does he do? He casts Satan out and she stands up. And the Pharisees aren't excited about the healing. They're mad about the the deliverance. Stupid. (laughs) In this instance, Jesus clearly demonstrated there are times when a sickness or infirmity is the direct work of a demon spirit. Peter's healing ministry. The apostles were seeing such miraculous things by the Holy Spirit that Jerusalem became a destination for those seeking health. Isn't that a cool testimony? So many healings are taking place in a city, people start driving there to get in on it. Acts 5, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem. So the city's roundabout, a multitude. And there's so much healing going on with this thing called the church, or actually in Acts 5, it was called the way. It wasn't called Christianity until Antioch, but it's called the way, the followers of this Jesus of Nazareth. People start to, they're continuing to come. Well, what I find fascinating, this is Acts 5, so this is only two or three years after Jesus Christ's ascension, and there's still multitudes that need healing? You mean Jesus didn't clean up Israel? because not everybody came. Not everybody received. Maybe some of these people were doing stupid stuff to get hurt again. 
Maybe they were drunkards and they'd fallen back into sin. Maybe they'd done something that opened themselves back up to demon possession. But here we have another wave of multitudes coming to Jerusalem to be a part of what Jesus was doing for three and a half years. Three and a half years of him, as I would say, technically scrubbing the region of sickness and demons. Three and a half years later or so, you still have a multitude from all the cities he went to wanting it and needing it again. Bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed, everyone. Everyone was healed, both the sick and the demon possessed. I have come to the doctrinal stance, you don't have to agree with me, but I fully believe and I, I deal with it in my own life or my family's life that there are some things that are just chronic that I just have to believe are demonized. There's just a demon assigned to you. Four years ago now, when the spirit of death sat upon me and told me that I would die a martyr in seven years, so that's, that's, if he's right, that's three years from now. Of course, he's not right. And the Lord told me something different uh, during that hard six months. And the devil came and rested upon me very tangibly, very much like the anointing of God, but full of fear and terror, and said I'd die a martyr in seven years. I'd never see any of my children grown up. And I, it took everything I could just to get out of bed every day for about four or five months. And then it took another two or three months to fully kind of come out of it. That was January. And then in August, Gertie and I were praying and fasting about going to Africa. So we were in the back over there. And we were praying about Africa. We'd fasted all day. It was a Friday night. And so as we're praying, we hadn't even gotten into prayer five minutes. And we're praying about Uganda. We're not praying about anything else. We're praying about going back to Uganda and the Lord speaks to me and says, this has been a spirit of death assigned to you. Well, this is like eight months removed. I appreciate you letting me know now, Lord. And I'm, by the way, I was asking you about Uganda. Uganda doesn't even rhyme with death. <laughs> I'm not even seeking you for, for this, what happened back in January. I'm kind of over that now. I'm asking you about direction to Uganda. But he says to me, the word, word of the Lord came unto me and said, uh, this has been a spirit of death assigned to you. And so I instantly ask in my heart, for how long? And he said, since a child. And I instantly go back through my life and I see all the times I nearly died. I see the season of suicide and cutting I went through as a 12-year-old where I tried to commit suicide twice and I cut myself. I still have a lot of scars here on my arm. And then I see all the car accidents I've been into and all the near fatal things and all the diseases and everything that tried to kill me. And I went, oh, but see, the Lord didn't say it was my fault. He just said a spirit of death assigned to you from a child. So the five, four years ago, I'd have been 34. So probably 25, 28 years, this thing's been assigned to my life. And I could re instantly, the Lord would show me all these instances where this thing had tried to come into my life and do its thing. And no doubt if it hadn't been for the prayers of my parents or the prayers of somebody who didn't know but was interceding in tongues, it may have won. And only until I was 34 did this thing really come to strong fruition. And, and the thing that also struck me was that in December, this thing hit me in January. In December, I was teaching on faith. And I, I arrogantly said back in the brick classroom, I've said this many times, I just dare the devil try to kill me. I just dare the devil try to kill my family. And it's like, he said, I see your wager and I up your ante. And I got to go through hell for about six months because it lets you know the power of your words, especially when you have this kind of thing assigned to you. But the Lord never said I did anything wrong. What does a child do to get the spirit of death assigned to it? 
nothing. Maybe mom and dad could have done something, but we were serving God in the Baptist church as best we knew how. So this thing just got assigned to me, not of God, but obviously of the enemy. And so I'm convinced that even some infirmities, even as the Lord said, the spirit of infirmity on my daughter assigned to it. And if we hadn't taken authority over it, what, what would her legs look like by the time she was 15? And so sometimes it's the parents' dealings that must be labored for and contended for. I don't believe in genetical defects. I believe in spirits of infirmity. Because I, you know, I understand science, but the spirit realm is more real than biology and it's more real than the double helix of the DNA strand. It's more real than this. I don't deny science. I don't deny medicine. Use all of it that you got. But sometimes it's a spirit of infirmity that's able to go in there and pervert things. And we have to be willing to resist this thing and realize if we're doing everything we know to do, we've done nothing wrong. And sometimes, even as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, there was given unto me as the messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, to buffet me. Something was assigned to him. It wasn't from God. He said clearly it was an angel of, death, of Satan. But it was a sign unto him, lest it be exalted above measure. There's always something in your life that's going to be buffeting you, so you have to be desperate for God. If you ever get to the place where you've mastered everything, you don't need God anymore. So it's almost as though even Paul, he was not sinful, he was a clean preacher. There's always something going to be attacking you next. And uh, the key is, make sure it's not the last thing that attacks you. Because I, I, I'm all up for getting the victory, let's go fight something else. Let's get the victory over this symptom. Let's go fight something else. Let's get the victory over this. Let's go fight something else. Because as long as I do that, I know I'll always win. Paul, that, that messenger of Satan never stopped Paul. But it did give him something else to cry out to God for. Now, you may not like that. You may think you can get to a place where you have nothing facing you. But that's not reality. All the great apostles, even the Lord Jesus Christ, were always faced with something. And for the Lord Jesus, it got stronger and stronger and stronger. Even as Corinthians says, you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. We've not resisted this thing yet. So anyway, I just want to share that with you about how things can be assigned to you. Acts 10.38, perhaps the most critical of all New Testament healing verses is Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This verse succinctly sums up both the healing ministry of Jesus Christ and the satanic nature of sickness. Healing is good. Sickness is satanic oppression. Let's review that again because that's very complicated. <laughs> healing is good. And God anoints people to do good. And all sickness is satanic oppression, even the sniffles. Amen. So we don't have to stand for it. Paul's healing ministry. Paul apparently had, had a season of special miracles. This season further reveals the relationship often found between sickness and demon possession, Acts 19. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So there was, this was something different. Otherwise, why would the Bible use the word special? There's, apparently there's miracles and then there's special miracles. I would do good. I would be happy with just some good old-fashioned miracles. I'm not even looking for special miracles. We, we could just use some miracles, you know? You know, when you, when you don't have any water, it doesn't have to be limed. It doesn't have to be iced. It doesn't have to be a little sweetened. It doesn't have to be sparkling. If you don't have any water, you'll just take some water. And then after you got an abundance of water, you say, you know, this is getting kind of boring. Could we add maybe some ice cubes? Maybe a little bit of spritzer in there. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit of lime juice or, no. But apparently Paul had so many miracles. 
going on, the Bible has to distinguish special miracles now. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Notice again, the two tied together. Here, as some of the sick were healed by the power of God, evil spirits also went out of the afflicted. So let's get the balance here in the last few moments we have. Just as not every sickness is due to sin, not every sickness is the result of a demon spirit attaching itself to a person. So we want to be very clear on that. Just because you have the sniffles doesn't mean you're sinful. And just because you have the sniffles doesn't mean you have a demon. All right? However, we must acknowledge from the word of God that there are quite clearly times when a sickness is demon caused. In these instances, the demon must first be dealt with before the symptoms can be healed. That makes perfect sense. Before the pain can stop, you must remove the nail from the foot where you shot yourself. First deal with the nail, then the pain will eventually subside. Uh, it, it should also be noted that when demons go out, the symptoms aren't always instantly absolved. But the demon goes out, the body can begin to heal itself. The flesh can begin to recover itself. My testimony with overcoming the warts that I had for five or yeah, five years, that I, I was instantly healed, but the warts continued to fall out of my foot for a week or two, and then it left holes in my foot, and then, then the, the skin began to do its thing and reproduce, and before long, all the warts were gone, all the holes were gone. I was instantly healed, but there was just some other restorative things that had to take place. Now, could have God uh, instantly made my foot brand new? Sure, but I think it's a cooler testimony to say I went home and stretched, picked warts out of my feet, left holes in my feet, and over the next few weeks, as I scrubbed with a pumice stone, my feet became baby smooth. I think that's a cooler testimony too, just to talk about pulling them out from the roots and leaving holes in my feet. That's cool. In these instances, the demon must first be dealt with before the symptoms can be healed. As long as a demon is present, the symptoms will continue or even break out in other areas. We would call this a hypochondriac. And we, I, let me say something controversial. I don't care if you disagree. Fibromyalgia. In a nutshell, spirit of infirmity. It's just a made-up term from doctors for something they can't it's like trying to squeeze a water, it's a greased pig. It just squirts out someplace else. Must be fibromyalgia. No, it's a spirit of infirmity for someone who often likes attention. So you treat the knee, it breaks out in the shoulder. Treat the shoulder, breaks out in the head. Treat the head, breaks out in the foot. Treat the foot, breaks out in the bloody diarrhea. Treat the bloody diarrhea, breaks out in uh, COPD. Treat COPD. Uh, uh, it's just fibromyalgia. Amen. You can't even spell it. Just cast it out. Once the demon of infirmity is cast out or resisted, the symptoms can be healed through faith and prayer with or without the aid of natural medicine. We are not against medicine. I want to be very clear on that. But medicine isn't able to cure demons of infirmity. We must look to the word for our answers. Amen. Father, we thank you for this Sunday school. May we continue to fight the good fight of faith. May we continue to resist symptoms and sicknesses and abnormalities. Father, grant unto every one of us a word of knowledge an inward witness if the thing we're fighting is a spirit of infirmity so we can address it. But Father, we thank you for healing. It is the children's bread. We receive it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.